0: This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I'm joined, as always, by Federico Vitici.
1: Hey, Fraser, how are you?
0: I'm uh, pretty good, pretty good. We're recording at the end of the week this week, uh, a little bit ahead of time. Uh, as I was saying to you just off the air, I've spent the, most of the week building a new Wi-Fi network for the school, so that's been uh, been pretty successful, actually, but man, am I tired today.
1: It's, it's, it is quite strange for me to hear the words Wi-Fi and successful in the same sentence, because <laughs> usually this stuff comes with a tale of woe and, and all kinds of problems. Uh, but it seems like you've been through this major upgrade and things are going well. Yeah, it
0: seems to be. We went with we used to have AeroHive equipment and we went to Ubiquiti this time which seems to be wildly popular amongst a lot of schools. Mainly because it's really cheap but also uh, it works well as well. So you know, we replaced basically our entire network and, and I, I did it overnight which was uh, quite exciting. I mean our network's not enormous, right? But it, it the amount of stuff that I found across the school, like I found one classroom where the teacher had tied up the network cables with like garden twine. And I was like, who, who did this to my network? Um, but yeah, th- that's all gone now. We're actually much more like a professional operation now.
1: Well, congratulations. I'm, I'm yeah. really happy to hear that, that it's been going well. I was, I was following along as I'm sure other people on Twitter and we're like crossing our fingers that the, you know, the network switch would go well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like it's going to be for you guys a much better foundation for the future. So, you know, I'm kind of jealous. Yeah. I, wish, I wish I could work with, you know, with my iPad at your school. The Wi-Fi yeah, well, is definitely will. better than mine.
0: <laughs> you can be a guest lecturer if you want to.
1: <laughs> um, so, Fraser, I had an idea for this week's episode and it's something that may be very specific but it's also something that I've always wanted to be able to do better on iOS and that will be version control or dealing with multiple versions, multiple revisions of the same file of the same document and how to browse those versions, uh, compare them and restore them, you know, do stuff with versions and there aren't many choices on iOS, but I think we we can outline some of the possibilities that we have. And the I guess the as I was thinking about this, the main problem is that by design, uh, Apple wanted to abstract all of this complexity from, I, from iOS. So, I mean, in addition to you know removing the concept of manually saving a file and creating like a, uh, saving a document in a precise location mm-hmm. on disk. Um, There's also the fact that um, Apple doesn't want you to, in a way, doesn't want you to care about versions of a document. You just make changes and constantly undo and redo if you want to, you know, uh, cancel some modification that you made. Uh, But on the Mac, this is quite different because on macOS, there's been for several years now support for versions. And when you're dealing with a document-based app on MacOS, uh, you know it's a native option that you can open the versions menu and you can go back in time and view, compare and restore an older version version of a document. which back when I used to be a Mac user, I thought that was really handy. Uh, just to you know to go back in time. If maybe I didn't like a draft that I was writing or some edits to a PDF document, I could just go back even you know after multiple restarts or you know just when I was working with the document but not in the same session. And that was really useful. But on iOS, this is not as easy as, as it is with the finder on the Mac. And you might think that. Like who doesn't? Who needs to be able to restore and view versions? But I think that in any kind of creative work, whether you're a graphic graphic designer or if you deal with you're a writer and you deal, with, you know, you gotta write a novel or longer manuscript, or you're a student and you need to work on a uh, paper to submit to your teacher, um, in any kind of creative effort, I think it's useful to be able to monitor your progress over time, not just within the same editing session like in the same afternoon but across multiple days weeks and even months if you're working on a long form project and so i think it can be useful to have not just as a backup option you know if you want to go back in time maybe you made some catastrophic change to a file and you need to go back to a previous version but even just to compare the progress that you've made and to see like the evolution of a of a text or of an image or whatever it is you're working on um But it it is surprisingly tricky to do this on iOS. Uh, Partly because, again, by design, this is like it feels like a desktop kind of metaphor that hasn't necessarily been translated well to iOS yet. But it's also an API limitation uh, because the the support that Apple offers has been kind of inconsistent and limited. And so that has left developers. And you know, third-party apps to mostly to ship their own implementations of versions, and you know, dealing with multiple revisions of a file, or it has forced developers to implement other SDKs, you know, such as Dropbox, for example, that offer built-in support for versions and restoring, you know, and viewing and restoring different revisions of a file. But there isn't really a major initiative to ship this kind of feature at a system level. But there's some stuff we can go over.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, th- I think that you know Apple made a heroic effort over you know seven or eight years to try and abstract the file system, and I think it's fair to say with iOS eleven that effort's now at an end, and not a successful end either. You know, files <laughs> is here, and uh, okay, it's it's cloud based and and, and it, it's like a modern Finder for for a modern time, but. Files are back with a vengeance, you know, and store folders. Um, and I've actually noticed in school this week uh, some people getting a little bit confused by files and, and things and, and getting confused by the Browse tab and the Recents tab and so on. Um, so I've, I've been kind of helping people along with that. But I think it seems pretty clear that the, the effort to not have to worry about the file system is over and file systems have won and uh, they're here on iOS and we're going to just have to live with it. But as a result of that, you start to think about, well, if we do have a finder for iOS, how come it's not as good as a finder for Mac? And then now now we've got a whole other front to think about how can iOS get better? Because if it's trying to be a desktop operating system or a, a Mac replacement, Do we have enough in the file system? Uh, And I think uh, we've got some of these things, but it's a little bit inconsistent where it appears as well. And we'll have a talk through that as we go on.
1: Yeah. Um, So I thought we should start from Apple's own apps and service, which would be iWork, the iWork apps and and iCloud. Because I know that Mm -hmm. versions in iWork and iCloud have been around for a few years, but it seems to me like very few people know about this feature. Yeah, I mean,
0: they, they really don't go out their way to advertise that versions are a thing. I mean, you, you, in iOS, you literally can't see the button called Versions until you've <laughs> selected a file and then pop, up, pops this button uh, very subtly up in the top corner. So uh, thinking about iOS 11 and, and the 3.3 and later versions of iOS, the ones that have integrated the file's user interface, uh, when, when you're looking at that file's view you have to first uh, tap select and then choose a file. And then the toolbar grows a versions button that you can then press. Uh, and I had to look at, we have a, I have a pages document that we use for um, when classes change in school. And I just, I said edit the same file over and over again, cause it's just five pages of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, and I hit the versions button and up popped a little dialogue box, which had uh, 20 or 30 different revisions of this file over the course of this term already. So, I was able to, you can scroll down that and it shows you uh, both the modification date of the file and also the name of the file, because I believe this will reasonably handle renaming the file. So if you rename a file, it won't uh, become disconnected from its version history. And you can choose any one of these versions and you can, of course, just restore it. So you can hit restore and it brings back that old version, replacing the, the head version, if you like and that's well and good but there's also the ability to preview so you can and it's not just like a quick look preview it actually takes you right into the document and pages and then in the once you're inside pages it's got an additional couple of toolbar buttons at the top of the view where you can say, uh, I want to restore this version or you can save a copy. So if you, if you want to be able to compare two files, that's not a native feature to two pages or Keynote for that matter, but you can go back to an old revision, save a copy. And then like you said, Federico, if maybe you like something that you'd written a month ago, you can go into that copied version, you know, pull out the paragraph and stick it into the new, the current version or the, or the ongoing version, if you like. And that's something that will, uh, it's probably the easiest way in iOS to try and deal with going back into revision and copying something and putting it back in. But then you've got, you do have two copies and you've got to get rid of the older version as well. So it can, it can become a little bit of a kind of clear up job afterwards if you're doing a lot of that work. But if it's just, there was a picture in this old version that we deleted and I really liked, you could go and get it back without too much difficulty that way. Uh, You can't can't diff the files. I mean, if people are not clear with what diffing means, we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. Diffing is the the idea of uh, listing all the changes from one version of a file to another. So this is a common technique in, in computer programming is you'll diff an old and a new version of a computer program and see... Uh, where you've, what lines you've changed over the course and probably where you've introduced a bug is usually what you're looking for. But you can see, you know, these lines are all the same. Here's a line that said one thing in the old version it says something different in the new version. Having that diffing capability is really powerful, but that's kind of beyond what's possible in iWork at the moment on iOS. I kind of feel, Federico, that there's a sort of, there's a simple and lightweight way, which is the iWork uh, and iCloud technique for versions. And then there's like a nuclear bomb option, which is uh, what we're going to talk about in a little bit. But I think uh, that's the basics of how to do versioning in iCloud at the moment.
1: Yeah, um, it's too bad really that there's support for this, but there's really like it's uh, quite hidden in the UI. And I don't think it it integrates with drag and drop in any way, like you cannot hold down on on the list of versions and export like a specific version out of the iWork and and drop it somewhere else in the system. I think it's just a way to see the versions and just tap one. Uh, And I think it's too bad. You have to restore it first. Yeah. I think it's too bad because for, you know, I think for any professional use, and I mean, I'm biased because I love the idea of versions of documents. And I think definitely, you know, Apple should do a a bit more here. And other developers who who rely on iCloud Drive and implement the native, um, like the file, I think the file coordination APIs and that kind of stuff, they get access to this type of mm, versioning support based on iCloud Drive and uh, iOS storage. Uh, I know, for example, the MindNode was uh, the mind mapping app it was one of the first apps to take advantage of this API when it came out a couple of years ago maybe even more um, and i was surprised when i when i talked to the mind Note developers um, i think it was maybe back in the ios 8 days when icloud drive actually became an app um and I was surprised that this was possible, but I I haven't really seen any other document-based app take advantage of this API. I was expecting, for example, stuff like Affinity Photo or even Pixelmator, you know, these professional-grade apps, to have this feature, but I don't think they do. So if, if any Canvas listener has any other example of a document-based app for iPad, for iOS, that supports versions like MindNode and like iWork, please send them my way, because I'm really curious to, to check them out. yeah.
0: Didn't GarageBand a little while ago sort of adopt iCloud Drive as a feature? So that might be one. I don't think iMovie is one. Uh, Maybe the files are just too big to be performant. Yeah, yeah. uh, GarageBand kind of grew an iCloud Drive conscience a while ago. Uh, I haven't tested that, but that might be another candidate for looking at uh, versioning as well. Cool. Federico, can we talk about our sponsor for the show? And then we can dive into some that nuclear bomb option that I mentioned (laughs) a while ago. Yeah. Uh, So this episode of Canvas is brought to you by SaneBox. And uh, of course, everybody listening to the show is something you don't like about the email you receive or the features that that, the email app that you use has got. And SaneBox is here to help bridge those gaps and solve those kind of problems. It's not just practical to delete all your email, because there's important stuff you need to deal with in there as long as you're getting email and people are emailing you, you're going to have to do some triage on that. But the problem is it all just looks the same. And at a glance, it can be difficult to try and figure out what is the messages that needs your attention and what's the junk. Uh, Wouldn't it be nice if your email could be pre-sorted before it even hits your inbox. Imagine if only the email that lands in your inbox is stuff you actually need to see and that is what SaneBox is all about. SaneBox sorts through your mail and moves all the trivial stuff to different folders. So the only messages in your inbox are the ones you need. And the great thing is it works on top of your current setup with any email app. All the sandbox magic happens before you ever see your email. So they have this great feature called the black hole where all you need to do is move an unwanted email into that folder and you'll never hear from that sender again, which is perfect for mailing lists you can't get off. And you can also set up email reminders and snooze your email too. Now, Federico, I don't know if you've been on the same receiving end as I have of endless re-engagement emails from Twitter recently, um, I had the mis- I made the mistake of logging into their website under a rarely used account. Oh and no! I think that must that must have uh, <laughs> some sort of goblin just woke up and said, "Ah, oh, we must now send Frasier thousands <laughs> of emails." But I've been getting between like four and six uh, "Please use us" emails from Twitter every week, and it's or every day actually. Never mind every week, and it is slowly killing me. So, uh, what maybe you could sell me on SaneBox and that could. Maybe keep me sane.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been using, um, SaneBox for months. I've talked about this on the show, and I've talked about the various features that I use, like the same later folder and the same black hole, which is a lifesaver. <laughs> um, but I, I want to this time, I would like to briefly mention the same news ability. Um, basically, SaneBox can figure out what emails are uh, newsletters or so- social updates, and. Like updates from non-people senders, and put them in a separate folder. And I've been enjoying doing this for uh, newsletters, uh, status updates from like um, software companies and apps that I, you know, I subscribe to their newsletters, and everything ends up in this kind of social slash news type of email stream, which I find really convenient because my inbox and the same later folders, they are all about people. Uh, folks emailing me whether it's important or less important. But when I open the scene news folder, it's just newsletters updates you know maybe there's a new one password update and they send me a message about it and it's really nice because it's kind of like Twitter but for my email and I don't think that would be possible without samebox so uh, because they can understand what makes a newsletter what makes a social update and that kind of stuff and that saves me a lot of time because I don't have to manage this it just into it's just into one place and I go there and I read and I'm done and it's really nice very cool. Very cool. So to help you get
0: a little more organization in your inbox, we've worked with SaneBox to get you a great deal. Go to SaneBox.com slash canvas today and you'll get a two-week free trial and an extra $20 credit just because you listen to this show. You don't have to enter your credit card information unless you decide to buy, so there's nothing to lose. Check it out today and get your email finally under control. That's SaneBox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com slash canvas. Now, Federico... Time to go nuclear.
1: All right. Okay. So I think we, uh, I think we've talked about this before, but not maybe specifically about uh, Mike not for the not for this purpose. Not about exactly what we do with this app at Max Stories. So uh, there's this service. It's called GitHub, and it's the I, I would say the most popular service that programmers purpose, and yeah. developers use to. Do version control for their code. Um, it's usually used to collaborate on big projects. Uh, you can organize. Uh, you have multiple repositories, and you can organize all your files and your you know your code, and you can collaborate with multiple users, and you can keep track of changes. And that's the key part. Um, GitHub supports a l- hundreds, I would say, of different programming languages and syntaxes and all that. And it allows you to keep track. of, They have all this terminology uh, like a commit and a branch and a, you know and a push, a pull request and that kind of stuff. Well, I'm not going to talk about that. So just imagine that it's a service that you upload uh, where you save text files because essentially it is all text, and it keeps track of all your saves. Uh, over time and it allows you to compare what changed that's that would be the diff. It allows you to compare changes over multiple versions of the same file over time and, and it not only lets you compare like at a, at a macro level like say line 20 has changed from Wednesday to Thursday, but you can go down to the individual, word level or the character level and you can see these green highlights uh, in different shades of green so like light green would be the entire line and darker green would be the individual word or character that has changed which is essential when you're like fixing typos for example in a program and you need to compare like the fix that has been made and that's in addition to the fact that on github you can uh, every time you commit a file which would be that you save your modification and then later you upload it uh, you can also add a message uh, you can you can you can say uh, this is the description of what i just edited and the reason why i made this modification now github is used by programmers and developers because it's really well suited for this kind of work but at Mac Stories, we've had for several years a Problem. And that would be that we're five regular writers on the site. And we like to write in Markdown. And Markdown, of course, is based on plain text. And we never found um, a web service or a collaboration service that allowed us to share drafts of Markdown articles that we're working on and collaborate together on those make changes and see the changes that other people made and suggestions made by other people, just in general, being able to collaborate on Markdown drafts of our upcoming stories. And I know there are plenty of services that support rich text. And I mean, you can do this with Google Docs, maybe. You can even do it with Pages collaboration and that kind of stuff. But I want to do it with plain text and I want to do it with Markdown. So a couple of years ago, I was thinking about this problem again because it was really messy, like we were... Manually sharing text files on Slack, getting back to each other with comments—it uh, was really—it's gonna—it's gonna drive you crazy fast because you lose messages, you lose the suggestions, and it's—you know—you end up with five different copies of the same file. It's awful. So mm. I was looking at Working Copy, and Working Copy is this powerful GitHub client fast. for iOS. Yeah. And I, and around the time I thought, wouldn't it be nice if? I know that GitHub is used by programmers, but at the end of the day, really, Markdown is just plain text, the same way that a Python script is plain text. And if I can track changes in a Python, you know, a .py file, why shouldn't I be able to do the same with a plain text file? And so I emailed the developer of Working Copy, mm-hmm. Anders Borum, and I said, do you know of anyone who's actually using your app for Markdown collaboration? And his reply was just a straight no. <laughs> I was like, all, all my customers tend to be tend to be programmers and developers who are actually you know writing code. And so I was talking about this you know, a couple of years ago and we started using GitHub and Working Copy <laughs> uh, to collaborate on our stories. And the beautiful part of all of this is that it it works just Mm -hmm. as I was expecting it. And I I, I was surprised that no other, like that I couldn't find anyone else doing this. And I think since I've been talking about this on Connected and randomly on Canvas over the past couple of years, some other folks have started doing the same and now the developer of Working Copy is trying to make the app better for people who are not programmers, but writers using Working Copy for version control. And this is where it gets real hardcore. So there's a web component and there's a native app component. Of course, you need to open up an account on GitHub or, I mean, there's other Git-like services that Working Copy supports, but I'm not sure. I don't use them, so I'm not able to recommend any of those. I just use GitHub and I have like a $7 plan that allows me to have multiple repos shared with my team. Um, So we set up multiple Locations in in our in my GitHub account, I have one where I collaborate with John, another where it's just my own drafts, and there's like a club MacStories one when we're all together and we all upload different text files. And the basic workflow would be that there's a common space with multiple users. We are. Each one of us is in charge of uploading it to a different text file. So let's say that this week Federico is doing a write up about Tweetbot and John is writing about apps for travel. I upload my draft, John uploads his draft, and we both use working copy. So when we refresh the app, when we sync the changes, we all see each other's text files. And when you tap on a text file in working copy, you see there's a status. Uh, screen where you see the author you see the timeline of all the changes and that this is where it gets beautiful because in working copy uh, you can see all the changes in time to a text file so my ios review for example had hundreds of commits in github and in working copy i could go back in time and compare my latest draft from early september to the first uh, chapter that i saved in July. And I could see... And that was really cool, because usually this stuff is meant for developers to keep track of fixes and changes to a program, but it works really nicely for writing prose and markdown as well. Hmm, that's um, really cool. Yeah. Because in all of this, Anders, the developer of Working Copy, has been smart in adopting some of the lesser-known GitHub features. So... You can do diffs. You can compare changes between multiple versions, and you know, the, especially the the most recent version and the one before, of a text file in working copy, and you get the line-based highlights. So you get like a red block that indicates something has been deleted around that paragraph, and you get a, like a green block to indicate that something has been changed or added. But you also get the word based highlights which is actually part of the github api it's been rolled out of i think three years ago so you can see the individual word that is changed in a new version in working copy and we do this every single week like when for example ryan says uh, federico i pushed some edits to your draft so i can sync working copy i go i go check out the latest modification by ryan maybe i read the message that ryan has, has sent as part of the commit and then i just hit the uh you know, the change button and I see, you know, there's like a split view inside working copy where you see on the left, the old version and on the right, the new one. And you can compare the changes visually. So you can scroll the text, you can even collapse paragraphs of text that are not changed. So you can only focus on the changes. And that's been really convenient, especially when you're working on a a long review. And you just want to see what your editor has suggested that you change. Uh, that works really well for me, and we've been using this system for almost two years at this point. And I I know that it's not I mean it's not real time collaboration. You're still manually saving a version and uploading that version and syncing back changes from your GitHub account. But it's the closest that I've been able to find to my ideal markdown collaboration space.
0: I, th- I think that works well when, when you've got a situation where uh, some people own certain parts of it and other people own other parts of it. Yeah. In kind of the, in the same way a large software project you'd have somebody who was responsible for this component and somebody for that component and so on. And you're not likely to have conflicts. I mean, if you're talking about you're working on one file and John's working on another file, then you're only going to be download, essentially downloading each other's changes and very occasionally you'll do something, but Git can even handle the fact that you may have a conflict where somebody edited one line and somebody else edited the same line, and then when you pull those changes, there are actually ways to resolve that as well.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been really ideal for us to especially because different people own different um, files, and but we cannot collaborate on those, and uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's nice that you can see the changes visually, but you can also see the timeline of changes, like in the status tab, uh, it's a it's like a list of edits and with profile pictures from different authors. So that's really nice. Do you keep um,
0: do you keep assets that go along with the stories in that system? Yeah. Like, do you put images and screenshots in there too? Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, not always, but uh, especially like reference type screenshots that we absolutely okay. need to include. Like, if someone, like if I'm interviewing someone and they send me a profile picture and they send me screenshots, I have to include them in the story because I need to make sure that. It's assets from other people and I need to include them. And sometimes it also happened that um, that person sent us like an updated profile picture or an updated screenshot. And so we Mm -hmm. had to overwrite the existing one in working copy. And that also works. Because you can overwrite uh, like a file with a new, um, yeah, with a new file, and of course you can preview images in working copy as well. It's not limited to text files. And if you're writing Markdown, you can activate the syntax highlight mode for Markdown. Uh, you can also increase the font size. So he, And you can even preview Markdown as rich text. So it's really, uh, Anders mm. has been really clever in optimizing the app for folks like us who use Working Copy and GitHub for something that it was really not initially meant for. Um, and if I had to just have one request, but I'm optimistic that it's going to happen, now that there's Kaleidoscope on on the iPad, you know, the the app from Black Pickle. Black Pixel to... Oh, I did not know that. Oh yeah, yeah, it launched on the day that iOS 11 launched. So it kind of got lost in <laughs> Good the... Good day to get coverage, yeah. <laughs> it kind of got lost, but I was super surprised that there's now like a pro version of Kaleidoscope on iOS. Wow. And Kaleidoscope, it's really, it's the powerhouse of diffs. Uh, you, can, you can compare multiple versions of multiple files and there's like a, an excellent uh, split view mode where you can scroll and you can just see the changes. It's really well done. And my dream would be to be able to use working copy and kaleidoscope in split view I want to be able, and I think Anders is thinking about this, I want to be able to open the timeline of changes in working copy hold down Mm -hmm. on a version of a file from any point in time and drag it into kaleidoscope. Then I want to pick up the most recent version and also drag it into kaleidoscope so I can Mm -hmm. create a Diff presentation in Kaleidoscope powered by working copy. So that would be my dream scenario.
0: Interesting. Yeah, and, sounds cool.
1: You know, and, and, and I think that um, um, I feel pretty good about this because I think, uh, you know, Anders, of course, knows that Kaleidoscope is now available on iOS and mm-hmm. it's really optimized for this kind of stuff. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I want to keep my fingers crossed and hopefully it's going to happen.
0: That sounds cool.
1: Uh, I also want to mention uh, another option that I've been using for years now. Um, Dropbox, um, in the API and in the SDK that iOS developers can use in their apps, they offer support for revisions of the same file. So you can list uh, um, multiple revisions made to a document over time. An Editorial, which is my one of my long-time favorite text editors on iOS, supports this feature natively. So if you configure Editorial with Dropbox, you can tap on the title bar. If you're editing a text file that is stored in Dropbox, you can tap on the title bar where the file name is, and you get this pop-up. And in this pop-up, there's a Dropbox logo. You tap the logo, and you will be able to load all versions of the file exposed by the Dropbox API. And there's also a built-in diff tool (laughs) that you can uh, (laughs) so you can compare that Dropbox file over time right inside the tutorial. I'm kind of bummed that uh, this feature uh, that I'm aware of, the Dropbox-powered version control was only ever available in two apps in the iOS App Store. One of them is a tutorial, which doesn't receive many updates, but it's still around and it still works pretty well, even on iOS 11. And the other one was uh, called WriteUp. And it used to be a text editor that I used to use many, many years ago. I think like five years ago. It was before iOS 7. And I think the app, disappeared over time. I think the website doesn't even exist anymore and of course it's not available on the App Store anymore. There are screenshots on Mac Stories uh, though you you can see that there there was a version feature and I remember that it was really well done but I haven't seen any other other Dropbox powered app that uses uh, versions by Dropbox and I guess that maybe now that iCloud Drive is a lot more popular I don't know about you, but I don't see I I don't see any like major Dropbox SDK powered uh, apps launching these days. Yeah, I mean
0: it used to be that Dropbox was the de facto file system for yeah. iOS, wasn't yeah. it? You know, like, everything that's synced synced through Dropbox, One Password, uh, Text Expander, you know, all of those things. Um, and now I think CloudKit has become so reliable that almost everything is defaulting to iCloud Drive now for that kind of stuff. Even if it's not necessarily files, but it's just syncing data through the CloudKit API, That's uh, that seems to be everybody's first choice. And I think also privacy concerns might play into that a little bit. I'm not saying Dropbox has got necessarily a problem in that area, but just um, I think more and more people are sort of looking at the world going... Maybe I should keep more of my eggs in one basket that I really trust rather than sinking this bit here and that bit there and so on. So, yeah, I kind of agree with you that uh, Dropbox seems to be, uh, I don't know, struggling a little bit is the word, but certainly not the default choice that it used to be in iOS.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is, again, too bad because yeah, if... Apple doesn't really care about versions in iCloud Drive, but more and more developers start using files, that means that the one service that exposed versions, it's not going to be used anyway, so this is a feature that no one will ever use. So basically, we we may have made an episode about a feature that only, like, five <laughs> people care about. Yeah, a, a capability <laughs>
0: that no, nobody wants or ever cares about, yeah. I, yeah. I think, you know, I wonder if even on the Mac, I would be really interested to know how many people actually have ever, you know, gone into Time Machine and restored a version of a file in the past. I think... Uh, it, it's one of these things that you know everybody who's kind of like an adult now grew up in a time where uh, explicit saving was a thing and if you wanted a backup you had to make a copy of the file and all these things and i just don't think as a generation we're kind of in them in the mindset of oh the computer's handling infinite backwards versions for me let me just go and browse them and see but i also think it speaks to like we said about, about pages and i work earlier on that there's there's such a the interface for getting the right version is so weak that it's almost useless, you know, that you have to have a much more robust way of knowing what these versions are. And if, if even there was some kind of AI wave f- that it could summarize automatically for you, what you did in this file, that would, that, I think something that would be very powerful, you know, in, in a Git client, you've got to explicitly say in, in your commit message, this is what i changed here and that documents the process of change but in an app like keynote or or pages there's no there's no automatic documentation of that change all you've got is a file name and a revision date and the problem with that is that in on in ios you're not even explicitly aware of saving so you don't when these points these uh, you know checkpoints were made it doesn't make any sense you know there's no kind of affinity with something you even did it's just, okay, I change maybe I change something here and then it saves it. But, but I, looking back on that file that I was looking at earlier on, I can't remember what I did on those days or those times. The, the date stamps meant nothing particular to me. So it was it's very hard to look at that history and say I can actually use that for something. So I think that part probably could stand to be uh, enhanced quite substantially. Yeah, so uh, I, I just want to... Sorry, I was going to wrap up with um, some... More praise for working copy if it even needs any more. Mm. Uh, but I don't know if you've looked at Swift Playgrounds very much, but we've, we've talked about it on the show a little bit. And if you, there's a, a format in Swift Playgrounds called a Playground book. And a Playground book is basically a massive folder structure full of folders for chapters, and then folders for pages, and then folders for individual bits and pieces. And Working Copy, if you want to write those books on iOS, it's really quite difficult. But um, Working Copy is the best app for doing that because its Document Provider lets you pick a folder to bring into another app. So normally, Document Providers often only let you pick files. But what you can do is you can create this mad folder structure inside Working Copy, fill it in with files, and then in Swift so Playground, you can go and import a file, pull it out, pull the root folder out of working copies repository and open it up in Swift Playgrounds and that's how you can write and test a book all on iOS. So it's the, the Apple guidance says uh, write it on your Mac and then airdrop it over to your iPad every time you want to check it which is kind of crazy making but if you want to write it all on iOS Swift Playgrounds on one side and working copy on the other side is definitely the way to go.
1: Mm, that's, that's really cool
0: actually. I've never yeah. actually completed one but I've started two or three so yeah. <laughs> It's just a very cumbersome format to work with because you've got folders within folders within folders, you know, and and the thing you're working on could be seven levels down. So uh, hopefully I I can see Swift Playgrounds evolving towards uh, a place where you can actually author a book inside Swift Playgrounds and then just share it with people. But it's not there yet. It's, It's some distance from being ready to do that just yet. So that's uh, that's our discussion on versions, the feature which perhaps nobody wants, but uh, I hope we've maybe done a service in making people aware that it even exists and then you could maybe experiment with that as well. I think one, one area where it could be quite powerful is uh, longer lived documents. Now, Federico, I don't know about you, but my well, I do know about you, actually. Your, your documents are long-lived and mine aren't. But what is long-lived for me, actually, is Keynote files. I've got Keynote presentations that I've adapted and evolved over the years. And I think um, versions might be something that I'll maybe dip into a little bit more to try and get uh, get a handle on those Keynote presentations and see where they've come from. And if there's material in the older versions, that might be useful. I could probably go and dig that out. I wonder wonder what my oldest version is. Maybe I've got I certainly have presentations from 2012 and 2013. Oh man. And <laughs> I wonder if they've I wonder if they've been tracking versions all the way through.
1: Yeah, I, I wanna try to see if there's a, a way to to track changes in numbers and but not even if it's possible to do versions like I wanna be able to see like you know, what cells have been edited since the last time that I viewed the spreadsheet. I'm not sure that is even possible on a Mac. Like I want to have mm. a diff-like presentation f- because I collaborate on a ton of spreadsheets, especially with John yeah. these days. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, for the business aspects of Mac stories, and I want to see like if John tells me, "Look, I, m- I made a change to the to this p- column," and uh, I don't want to go hunt down the change manually. So it would be nice to have like a way that says, "Look down here, that's the change." Uh, but I'm not sure if there's a, an efficient way to do so. Yeah,
0: I think there's probably some way to go in that. So we'll check back in a day to come and see how this whole area is getting on. So that's our show for this week. Uh, you can connect with us on Twitter. The show is underscore, can, uh, yes, underscore FM. Uh, I'm Fraser Spears on Twitter. Federico is Vitici, and we'll be back with you on the next show.